Hello, everyone, and welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Terriago. Ready to do round two, sir? Absolutely, I am. Born ready. So we are so grateful to uh, have uh, the number of people that have listened to our podcast for our first episode. Um, you know, we have maybe not no visions of grandeur. Maybe we have like little visions of grandeur. But um, for our first episode, two guys from Connecticut getting over 150 people listening. I'm, I'm happy about that. We're hoping to grow, but I'm pretty happy about 150 people or so who listen to our show. Sounds great. Uh, I'd like to be president of NAQT. If uh, if anyone can arrange that, that'd be great. I, I there's a lot more work involved in that than I just it was doing just, a podcast. I thought it was just this, Ken. That that was the deal. All right. Well, I'm so glad you listened to our first episode, and you're back for more. Um, if you listened to our first episode, you heard the story of me talking about the year that we won nationals, and uh, and I mentioned that uh, Barbara Ivy was was working with me and I use the phrase assistant coach and I, I want to clarify this like Barbara Ivy is not an assistant uh, she is by all measures a head coach as as much as I am I just when I said assistant I know that she assists me in, in what I do the same way that I assist her um, but you know Barbara Ivy was is really you know, the, the brains of this operation, you know, we started our program back in 2008 or nine and it was a nice little club. It was students of mine who came after school and we read a couple of questions. We competed in the knowledge master open, awk, 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 for those of you that are also uh, alumni of the knowledge master open. And Barbara went to some of her kids that she works with, uh, on geography with, and said, well, let's go see what this quiz bowl thing is all about. And that's when we met Michael Barecki, and our program just took off because we had her expertise and we had her um, uh, her passion. And, uh, I mean, if you've ever met the woman and heard her talk about the program and her kids, you know how much passion and how much love she has for her kids. So all of that just was a multiplying force for our program. And that's when we became a, a nationally ranked team. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know she's not like technology, technologically inclined enough to want to do the podcast with us, nor does she want to share any of her, uh, secrets and strategies. Um, but, uh, you know, she is, uh, she's the reason why we are as good as we are. Yeah. And, and we've managed to, to smuggle out some of the, the tips and tricks that she does use. So, uh, I know in my experience working with Barbara, uh, she's she's been a, a fantastic influence on me. She works with the kids in the morning, which for me is the, the toughest time to get to school. Uh, and she's just unfailingly optimistic and passionate about what she does. And uh, she's one of my favorite people. So uh, I'm, I'm telling you when she joined the program, we went from being a nice little club that had fun every week answering questions to the national powerhouse that we are now. That's what suckered me into it. When I got here, you guys were already so good. I was like, I can just uh, ride their coattails all the way to nationals. Nothing like coattails. So uh, speaking of nationals, uh, maybe your team is on the way to nationals, uh, MSNCT, and uh, you are interested in how your competition is going to fare. Maybe you're doing a little scoreboard watching, scoreboard watching and uh, that's what we're going to do right now. Let's go check some, some scores from recent tournaments. Sounds great. It's time to take a look around the country and dive into the tournament results that have been posted. So the first tournament we're going to take a look at is the Darien Spring Academic Challenge. This was held on April 6th here in, uh, in Darien, Connecticut. It was played with MS30. Uh, and an interesting quirk from this tournament was that Middlesex B actually defeated Middlesex A in the semifinals and then beat Ben Franklin A on the last toss-up. Uh, I was uh, very thankful to be the moderator of both of those games, uh, and they were some pretty heated, excellent quiz bowl uh, applause after both games, uh, and our three top scorers tied for the most points per game, Alex Kalatov from Ben Franklin A, Brianna Zhang from Middlesex A, and Liam Tomaszewski from Middlesex E. Ken, you, you said that uh, 
uh, a parent made a comment to you afterwards about something. So this was so interesting. As as the B team is lining up to take a picture with a trophy, and he said, like, hey, all right, let's let's get the girls. Let's go, hey, how about that? A team of girls. And, you know, those of you that were at MSNCT last year and maybe follow some of the threads about it on Twitter know that Girls in Quiz Bowl was trending last year. And when the parent mentioned that about the B team, that was actually the first time it occurred to me. Oh, yeah, I guess I put my B team together. When I put them together, they were all girls. So it says more about, you know, the the role of girls in our program. I, I didn't, The thought didn't even occur to me that that's what I was doing. And two on the A team. I just was thinking, okay, let me put, you know, my four, four of my better players in the A team and then the, the other top four players on the B team. And it just so happened that I have two girls that were on A, Brianna being one of them. She's one of our captains, as well as Hannah Bang, who's another one of our captains. And then the four girls... Ellie, Sophie, Tabby, and Helen, who were on the B team. Uh, our next tournament we're going to take a look at is the Gladiator Open, also held on the same day, 4-6, uh, with MS-30. Uh, in this tournament, Barrington Station A defeated Keith Country Day 390-270 to in the finals, and Station B defeated Aptakissick A in the third-place game. Uh, how about this for an upset, Ken? Station C defeated Aptakissick A in the playoffs, and uh, you told me you had a little bit of a backstory from Coach Price. There. Yeah, so so Jeff Price, who's the coach for Barrington Station, uh, I mean, how about, how about a day for him and his program? So he reached out to me to give me a little bit of a backstory about that that last game. So so the C team is playing Aptakissick A, one of the former national champions, the 2017 national champions, and he had just watched Aptakissick A beat his A team. And so he went up to his C team and said, you know what? You're not going to beat them. So that shouldn't be the goal. The goal shouldn't be to win. You're not going to beat them. They are too fast for you. They're going to power a ton of toss-ups. So here's what I want you guys to do. Not let them have the first buzz. He said, I want you guys to neg four times. That's our goal. I'm not worried about trying to win this game. So put that out of your mind. Neg four times. That's our measure of success because... Jeff said to them, that will show me that you're taking chances and being appropriately aggressive. And with that, his team powered seven of the final 16 toss-ups while Optikistic wrapped up a total of eight negs for the match. Very impressive, 375 to 145. Now, that tournament, Aptikisik, you know, was there, and uh, Barrington Station was there. They won the whole thing. But one of the best teams in Illinois wasn't there, uh, and that was Quest A. So Quest A's best player is Rohan Ganeshin. You might remember we were talking about him in our uh, in our tournament posted segment last time. Uh, he was at the IPNCT, the International, uh, the sorry, the Individual Players National Championship. And uh, he had himself a day too, so he could he gets into the finals, and he's a seventh grader, mind you. He's playing against Aaron Parsa, a sixth grader from Challenger Almadine in the finals of this international of this individual competition. Uh, Aaron Parsa, fresh off his team's first place finish at the Stratford Sunnyvale Middle School Invitational, where he averaged 148.3 points per game off of an A set, he comes out the victor. He defeats Rohan from uh, from Quest in the finals and he's our 2019 individual players national champion so can an isa set uh what does that mean exactly right so so high school tournaments use one of two basically they use one of two levels of questions from naqt there's is which is your regular high school difficulty and isa which is a novice set so you know freshmen sophomores uh and I know Middlesex likes to play in ISA tournaments as well. There are things that are outside of the canon of middle school quiz bowl, but for a really good team or team that's trying to be really good, uh, it's worth practicing with ISA questions and playing in ISA tournaments. Especially impressive for a 6th and 7th grader. Alright, so other results. Richmond uh, B from Hanover. Uh, New Hampshire defeated Richmond A in the finals of the Burlington Invitational. Uh, Miami Valley from Ohio ran the table to take the WRA Future Stars competition. Strong Vincent A, not weak Vincent A, goes undefeated to take the Mercyhurst Prep Middle School Invitational. And Fairview A and B finished first and second at the River Springs Middle Spring Break Invitational down in Crawfordville, Florida, while White Station A from Memphis wins the Spring Forward 12. So hopefully... Your team uh, is gearing up for a national tournament in a month, uh, whether it's MSNCT or anything else, and you're a player, you're a coach, you certainly want to make sure your team is prepared. 
and uh, and that's what today's program is about. We're going to look at some study skills that we implement here at Middlesex and uh, talk about some ideas that we've found online and uh, and want to share with you. Um, now, battle-tested ideas, I, I right. might add. So if you're on HS Quiz Bowl, if you've been to HS Quiz Bowl, they, they have forums and a lot of threads that talk about how to become a better blank player, whether it's science or literature or anything. Um, but a lot of it is geared towards high school and college players. You know, th- what we want, though, is, you know, maybe something a little bit more for middle school players. Definitely. Uh, uh, there's only so much a, a middle school player can do in terms of uh, choosing their major or participating in extracurricular right. activities after school that will, uh, you know, help them get physics questions correct. Uh, so a lot of that that advice that they're giving, which is excellent advice by really veteran high school and college players, legendary uh, members of the Quiz Bowl community, uh, isn't as applicable uh, to middle school players. And so uh, I've, I've stayed up for, for several sleepless nights, Ken, uh, and in my delirium, I've come up with an acronym that I hope will will sum up the, the four things that we can really study. And what are those four things? Uh, so open, the open system O-P-E-N stands for uh, online, packets, everything else, and notebooks. So everything. That's, that's, that's what we're telling people to do. As long as you know everything, you'll be good for Quiz Bowl. Everything else. Okay. Uh, no, really, of those four, um, are they all weighted the same? or Not at all. Um, you might think online is important. You might think everything else is important, which, which they are. But uh, I, I don't think that those other three online packets and everything else work without a notebook. Um, and I think for that reason, notebooks are, are probably the most important thing you can do to level up as a Quizable player and, and get better. So and really, we do want to stress that. We use notebooks here at Middlesex. We require our players to bring notebooks to practice every practice. And if they don't, there's actually a penalty. They have to sit out for 20 minutes. They're not allowed to play on a buzzer if they don't have their notebooks. The we, same thing would happen in baseball if you didn't bring your glove. Right. You know, we want we tell our players that you need to leave practice a better player than when you came in. And a notebook is something that helps them do that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of research, Ken, around what happens when you actually uh, keep notes in a notebook. You, you handwrite those notes. Uh, and one of the things that happens is that, that spatial information of – uh, where you wrote things in your notebook actually uh, helps and assists with your memory. Uh, I know that I'll have like a, a fat moleskin notebook and I'll remember that I wrote something important about uh, Gebhard von Bluger on the top right part of my notebook around three-fourths of the way through and I'll flip all the way through to it uh, and I'll be able to find it so much more easily than I would on something like uh, a Word doc. Which all right, just so you just threw Gebhard von Bluger out there. Like, like you know. Oh, you don't know Gebhard von Blucher. Oh, I know Gebhard von Blucher, but you're the one who said he wrote it down. So, who oh, so, Gebhard so Gebhard von Blucher uh, was the. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, as I often am. So Gebhard von Blucher, uh, which I hope all of you are writing down right now as as the first entry in your notebooks, your brand new, uh, handy dandy notebooks, uh, was a Prussian general who I believe uh, rescued Wellington in the Battle of Waterloo uh, and and was really crucial in defeating Napoleon. So I have a nice little. Uh, doodle of a, a beef wellington here next to gebhard von bluger to help me remember uh, and i know that now, w- would the beef wellington be good enough for gordon ramsay no not at all it's 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 a I terrible feed this a, to a pig <laughs> it's a terrible sketch but it helps me remember um and i know that a lot of our kids are, are really uh rampant doodlers and uh they've they've credited that to remembering some questions uh that they otherwise wouldn't get thanks to some some pretty strange connections. They're trying to build a web here, Ken. So you might have some students that refuse to write things down in their notebooks. They might be taking notes on a Google Doc if that's really what they're doing on their Chromebooks or their laptops or on their phones. But but one, don't buy it. And and two, uh, as as Andrew alluded to, the research shows you need to write things down. There is there is a difference between typing something and writing it. And things stick in your mind better when you're writing it down as it's, opposed to typing. It's so it. dramatic, Ken, that there are actually some colleges now that uh, you sit down on the first day of class and the professor just says, uh, you can't take notes on a laptop. 
just the research is so dramatic that you just need to get a paper notebook and that's final. You know, it's interesting. You said about building your web and the, the phrase we use a lot with our kids is uh, connecting dots. That's another barbarism. Uh, you connect dots. So when you hear these obscure clues and, and pyramidal questions, as as the moderator wends his way through the question, you're trying to connect dots. But the students that are <clears throat> fastest at connecting dots don't process things faster. They just have a lot more dots. And they get them from taking notes and reading their notes over and over again. Mm -hmm. I remember you bringing up a story about this, Ken, where um, you asked uh, John Phipps, who was one of our, our best players we've ever had, if not the best. Uh, and you asked him about, I think it was uh, Darwin. Yeah, so, right. So I was telling, I was actually talking to my geometry class and I was talking about dots. And, you know, I said, okay, so this is what I'm talking about. And John was in the class. And I said, John, give me the name of a mid-sized port city in Australia because he was another state geography B champion that Barbara had and John without giving it much thought just said Darwin said okay fine now I asked the class how many of you have ever heard of Darwin Australia and not too many people have if anybody else so you they are would just be learning in a vacuum that Darwin is a mid-sized port town in Australia. But if you have the dots to connect, you know, well, Darwin probably voyaged around Australia and thus stopped in a port town and they named it after him. And so you're able to put those two things together. So it's not just you're learning the name of a town that could be any random name. It's No, OK, Darwin is Charles Darwin and they named it after him. Mm -hmm. That kind of connection is really uh, what notebooks help facilitate in a way that I, I haven't found anything else that's that's as effective as a notebook. It's and interesting you talk about John and notebooks, though. John didn't just have one quiz bowl notebook in his three years at Middlesex. Uh, he had about 20 because he would write down everything. He would write down every question and every answer to every question. Um, his handwriting was atrocious. Uh, I don't know how he read it. It kind of looked like I was looking at a seismograph, but he could read it, and that's what was important. Mm -hmm. I've seen some students with really immaculate notebooks, Ken, and I always get excited when uh, I can read it because uh, my handwriting, you know, it's kind of a buyer beware um, with my handwriting. But when, when I can look over a kid's shoulder and see everything in its place, everything organized, I can, you kind of get a, a glimpse into their brain almost of, of how they're connecting the dots. So, you know, if you're a coach of a program and you have your kids take notes in a notebook, it's, it is not poorly used time to devote some practice time to just reading your notebook. So we meet a lot. We practice a lot uh, in the afternoons. We practice four times a week. And Tuesdays are our quote-unquote notes days. And pretty often we'll actually say, okay, for the first 20 minutes, we just want you to sit there and read your notebook and go back and look over things that, uh, that they might have forgotten that they wrote down. But, you know, that's actually something that research shows, too, that in order for things to stick in your long-term memory, you forget them and then have your memory jogged. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to mention a couple of the other things because uh, in my mind, when I say online packets, everything else in notebooks, online packets and everything else is what you need to fill up your notebook with. Right. Uh, uh, a, an empty notebook by itself isn't going to win you MSNCT. Um, and so the first thing I'll just mention, Ken, is um, there are a lot of digital resources that, that I think students uh, should take better advantage of when it comes to studying for Quiz Bowl. Throw a few out there. Uh, so you mentioned High School Quiz Bowl already, hsquizbowl.com. Uh, fantastic forum has tons of packets on it, uh, but we'll get to packets a little bit later. Uh, first thing is Wikipedia. Uh, I, I know that. Wait, uh, wait, wait! You're an English teacher, and you're saying I am. Wikipedia? Yes. Yeah, really. Get with the times, everybody. Wikipedia should be a completely acceptable source on any of your papers or anything like that. There's, there's, there are issues with Wikipedia. If you are a PhD student uh, and your thesis is due and you can't find anyone else saying a fact about George Washington and you only find it on Wikipedia, you probably want to find another source. But if you're just trying to understand the gist of 
what the heck was going on in World War One. There's probably nothing better you can do than than dive down that rabbit hole. Uh, Alice in Wonderland reference there for anyone uh, who was listening, English English uh, players. I, I see you out there. Uh, you want to dive down that rabbit hole of Wikipedia pages where you just open new tab, open new tab. Who is Emperor Hirohito? Why does Pearl Harbor matter? Why does the Treaty of Versailles matter? How do all these dots connect? Uh, and just reading those pages and scrolling through and... Um, I still get excited, Ken, when I see uh, a page that has a whole bunch of blue links on it, and I don't understand a lot of those blue links. I know that after a lot of reading, uh, I will, and I'll, I'll kind of be able to, to hopefully write that down in my notebook. Yeah, and you know when we're looking through packets or reading questions and there's a, a, an answer line that we haven't heard of before, that's the first thing we do. We'll open up Wikipedia and you know look for dots, look for things that, okay, maybe we don't know who this person is, but... Like, okay, she was related to this person or she was from this country, and that's why it was it came up in the question. So, um, yeah, you when you read these Wikipedia articles <clears throat> and you're taking notes, the whole point is to look for dots to connect it to to build that web. All right, so what other online resources do you use? Do you have any, like, videos or, or games yeah, that uh, you recommend? A, uh, a couple that I uh, know students have tested out um, uh, a really useful history source, especially uh, is Crash Course on YouTube. Um, it's a specific video content producer that makes a lot of high quality content. Uh, I've seen it in history classes, so that's how I know that it's good. Uh, I believe John Green makes that material. Um, also the author of a couple of, of great books that might come up in Quiz Bowl. Sporkle is another great resource that uh, man I used to love. Sporkle. Is is filled with quizzes. So if you're the kind of kid who, um, or the kind of adult uh, that just enjoys trivia and enjoying showing off what you know, Sporkle is is kind of give a, me a give me a '90s baseball quiz on yeah. Sporkle, and uh, I can ugh, yeah wasted a lot of time playing Sporkle. And yeah, uh, play. there's a little timer that counts down, and it'll say something like match these ten authors with these ten great works of literature. Uh, and I've found that uh, regardless of what it is that you're interested in, there's going to be a quiz on Sporkle that will uh, help you to learn that material. And if you want to just get distracted, there are some, you know, which uh, match the Disney character to the song things kind of things, which which can come up. They're trash questions. Yeah. Right? You know, if that's what trash is for. At least, you know, procrastinate and become a yeah. better quiz. Bowl um, you got to know is another great resource. Where can they find uh, you got to know, Ken? Okay, well that's right on the NAQT we, uh, website, and I mean that's basically NAQT telling you the answers to their questions. So in advance, you're right. So if you're not taking advantage of that, uh, just know that your competitors are, and you're giving them a leg up. Mm-hmm. There's also another great website called Proto Bowl that uh, I was only shown recently. Uh, basically, what it is is it's a it's a on their own website they say it's a real time multiplayer quiz bowl application. Um, so uh, you basically type in your answer to a question that is slowly kind of crawling across the screen, uh, and for some categories there's maybe fifty or hundred questions. Uh, but I I was talking to a student of ours, and he mentioned that uh, the high school science category is enormous, Ken. So mm-hmm. it's it's several hundred, if not thousand, questions, and he said it's impossible to just memorize it. You really do have to know um, those scientific concepts. And, and there is one website out there that kind of has created a database of of any question that's ever been put online as, as a free, you know, quiz bowl question. And that's quizdb.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can search that based on uh, level from middle school up to college, I think. And also break that down by category and subcategory. And then, you know, maybe the first thing you should do is look for common answers. And when you look for, okay, if the answer is Napoleon, what clues repeat over and over and over again? I have a feeling, my old friend Gebhard von Bluger might show up. Probably. Um, National Geographic is just uh, an incredible place to uh, get information from there. They have the old geography bees. You can you can listen to them. Uh, you can watch them. Um, I know watching documentaries isn't necessarily going to gonna, uh, win a ton of quiz bowl games, but uh, I'm a big fan of National Geographic documentaries too. You know, I like to see a good, a good gazelle go down to a line every once in a while, so... Uh, any material that National Geographic puts out is going to be very high quality, uh, and it's really going to help you help you understand like uh, parts of the world. So, um, I also know that NAQT has a podcast that they put out, uh, but it's not necessarily a rival podcast to ours because theirs is just 
the audio from Quiz Bowl Nationals. It's right. I know from two years ago, our game against Longfellow was up there, and then last year, our game against uh, uh, school from Texas. I'm blanking on it. Creekland hmm. from from Texas, and that was one of our one of our better games in the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and you can listen. Um, would I have buzzed and, and gotten the um, the answer at the same time that this player would have? Yeah, because they they are play, uh, playoff matches, or at least they're from MSNCT, so you know mm-hmm. that they are the best teams in the country, and it's good to compare yourself with the best. Mm-hmm. Ken, you wanted to touch on literature, which uh, is rare for you, so I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you take this so, one. So, you know, moving away from uh, online resources. Um, Let's talk about everything else Mm -hmm. because it's not realistic for you to know the entire canon. Um, And so what we stress here is we want you to specialize in a subject. Now, if if you're a a player that's in a program that's just starting, maybe you're a a player on on a team and, you know, without being without being braggadocious, you're the best player on the team. You know, how can you get other players to to join you and and uh, and, and help you out? Uh, well, it's all about specializing. And one of the reasons that I think our team was as good as they were back in 2016 when we won it and why we've maintained our uh, our edge is because we build teams that are made of specialists. So I know our A team this year, we have. Hannah, our science specialist, and Nikki, our literature specialist, and Rajiv, who's geography and history, and uh, Brianna knows some some art and some literature as well. So we try to cover every base. And so when Andrew, when you talk about everything else, you really don't mean know everything about everything. You're specifically talking about your subject area, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When I'm when I mention everything else, I mean uh, you want to know your subject area, but. Uh, when I say everything else, I also mean that uh, the best quizable players that we have are, are just well-rounded people, right? Um, they have interests that are uh, specific. Like when you're going down that, that list of, of players, it's impossible for me not to, to give a shout-out to Hannah and how uh, excited she gets whenever a plant question comes up. Uh, she'll just start uh, rubbing her hands together like, oh, I got this one, right? Uh, or uh, Nikki can power almost any art question thrown his way, uh, it's it's terrifying at points. Um, it's it's like uh, he just sees it all in his head, and I know it's because those players have cultivated interests in those areas. That they they think that they see that they're important, or they just uh, have some kind of personal fascination with it. And I think um, when it comes to everything else, the the place that you're from, the places you've been, uh, your nationality, uh, your religion, all of those things are going to make you a better quiz bowl player. Right. Uh, especially like if you watch things, read things, experience things through the lens of a quiz ball player and you're looking for, okay, well, wh- what would the question be? Mm-hmm. So here I am at a museum and I'm looking at, you know, uh, I'm looking at a, a painting by Picasso. Uh, what would the question be? Because it's not just going to be something as simple as who painted this. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that might be the, the for 10 points part. And that wasn't a, a you know, cheap plug for our show um it would be you know what detail in the painting is is going to be discussed first mm-hmm. so it's mostly black and white and gray and there, there's a bowl that's being stabbed um there's there's people being trampled it's it's an enormous painting uh you'd, you'd say oh well it's probably guernica right um, you might i i i'm not the art expert all right i'm i'm not on either honestly uh i but i know garnica has a lot of very distinctive details that that often make up the the power line so um so i want to spend a little time talking about how to really get good at some of these other subjects mm-hmm. and and literature comes to mind and and um it's easy as a coach to just say well you have to read the books mm-hmm. uh, sure you know i my sister smartest person i know has a PhD in Renaissance literature and and at one point had to take for her doctoral <clears throat> exam she had to take a written test and they gave her a list of things that you needed to know for you know just be able to talk about these works of literature and the list was pages and pages long and it included any book you've ever hear come up in a 
middle school or high school quiz bowl tournament, one of the lines of the list was the complete works of William Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just you need to know Hamlet, Macbeth, and you know the big ones. You need to know all of them Mm -hmm. from Hamlet down to Troilus and Cressida. And um, so she did. She read all of the books and took notes and passed with flying colors. But it's just not realistic for a 13-year-old or, you know, an 11-year-old, a sixth grader to be able to do. Plus, you know, the books that are talked about in in Quiz Bowl, uh, Pride and Prejudice, The Scarlet Letter, um, The Last of the Mohicans, you know, there's there's a lot of subtlety that can be missed when you're reading it as an 11 year old. Yeah, I, I I think we talked about this uh, the other day, Ken. Uh, we mentioned crime punishment has come up as a as an answer. Right. And, I mean, I read that as an AP English student. Yeah. And and I actually did read it. Um, but even I missed things as a, you know, as an AP English student reading that. So the question becomes then, is it more important to read the book or should you be reading just a synopsis of one of these books and possibly looking at literary criticism? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not that, not the ally, the, the ally on horseback you'd expect, uh, in your time of need is literary criticism right. has come to save the day. But so so here's an example that I, I, I think might drive the point home. Um, Death of a Salesman, like the story part of Death of a Salesman is uh, is understandable to uh, a 13-year-old who is a good reader and interested in literature. But there are certain symbols in Death of a Salesman that, again, you just might gloss over. And when the question comes, the first part of the clue is talks about um, one of the characters stealing a pen or or w- one of the characters has a deck of cards in his robe pocket. And again, as a, as a high schooler reading that, just a, a detail that I completely missed until you know we talked about it in class and talked about the significance of the deck of cards in the robe pocket. Yeah, the, the pickle dish and Ethan Frome. Yeah, and so, you know, these these clues, like the, like the pickle dish, like the pen or the deck of cards, you know, you, you gloss over them if you're reading it or if you're just, you know, to reading criticism, that's when you find out that they are significant. Um, so, I don't know, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, my take on this is that... Um, it's almost like you want to find. Uh, I, I love uh, material like video essays. Like that. it's it's a really booming genre on YouTube of of uh, these creators doing something like uh, here's a ten minute breakdown of like all of the symbolism in my favorite movie. And then if you take a little bit deeper, they'll say something like they'll you'll find a video that's like uh, uh, here's like Pride and Prejudice in ten minutes. And I think it that's not cheating, right? That you. You can't buzz in. But what that'll give you is it'll give you who the characters were. It'll give you who, obviously, who wrote it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're past the power mark. Mm -hmm. Okay? When they mention um, Reverend Dimsdale, we're not in power anymore, at least Mm -hmm. not at MSNCT, not Mm -hmm. at an ISA or or an IS set. Um, If you don't know that Reverend Dimsdale is in the Scarlet Letter, you know, somebody else, mm-hmm. a better player is going mm-hmm. to ring in and get, and or get that. Or Raskolnikov and Crime and Punishment and how he killed the, the old lady that was a pawnbroker. Right. So, you know, that all of that stuff in, in a legitimate tournament is after power. Mm-hmm. So how do you power those questions without reading the book and taking extensive notes? And I got to say, the more I think about it, reading literary criticism to find what the the really really smart people find important mm-hmm. is important because you know I've often thought about writing question packets and I I never went and did that because I can't write literature questions mm-hmm. I just don't read enough and I come to the realization I don't know what's important in these stories so yes I can tell you you tell me someone breaking a pickle dish I don't know that that's important as soon as you mention Ethan Frome, I can say, oh, yeah, that's Edith Wharton, Mm -hmm. okay? Because I can just kind of put those two together. I can just, like, memorize a a list uh, and a binary match. But good literature players do more than that, Mm -hmm. um, and they need to know the important details. 
And Ken, you wanted to talk a little bit about how studying for science is different from studying for other subjects. Yeah, it's it's not my idea. I, I can't take credit for it. But there is a really good thread on HS Quiz Bowl uh, by Eric Mukherjee, um, where he's and he calls it becoming and being a great science player. And he's the one that actually mentioned uh, the the pickle dish. And mm-hmm. you know, when you are uh, trying to study geography or history or literature you can learn these facts in a vacuum and sure you want to build the build the web connect the dots and all all of that stuff but there's nothing difficult about breaking a pickle dish you can visualize it there's nothing difficult about imagining a battlefield and Gebhard von Blücher and his Prussians coming over and it's accessible yes but trying to explain to somebody the the steps of the Krebs cycle or um you know the difference between covalent and ionic bonds and there's there's just so much background information you know uh, barbara will complain and rightly so that our kids don't get a lot of math questions mm-hmm. and i'm a math teacher and i'm really good at i have a masters in math i'm i am really good at math and you're going to hear a, a for 15 points later on where he's going to show you exactly what that masters can do yes uh and so she looks at me like like, hey, I'm the geography person. We're really good at geography. You're a math person. How come we're not really good at math? And it's because there's just so much background information that goes into powering a question. So something that talks about the you know, uncountability of the real numbers and Cantor's diagonalization argument, I, I can't just explain the same way. Like, yeah, you broke a pickle dish, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, oh, it's a, it's a glass menagerie. It's a unicorn, okay? Mm-hmm. So next time you hear glass menagerie, it's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you said, it's accessible. Science and math just aren't accessible. So how do you become a great science player? Yeah, the, the one thing that I, um, I actually got from uh, uh, Kieran, who's one of our, our ex-captains and one of our, our best science players ever, um, he told me that... Um, what he had done is he read a lot of books that were about science, uh, and, and I like this is something textbooks? that so so textbooks you can read textbooks right, but um, this is something that I've done also. I know all of my science comes from uh, like popular science kinds of books, you know, like the um, the 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 books that are are written for lay people, people who are not scientists about scientific topics, right. Um, so one of my favorites is a, a genome and autobiography of a species in 23 chapters. Uh, and it talks about each of the different, um, like, uh, chromosome pairs and like what is on that pair and like what could go wrong if that pair is messed up. Um, and it, it basically talks about like all of these things that because they're the, the author rightfully assumes that you are not a scientist. This is not what you study. This is not what you know. They, they very gingerly take you by the hand and walk you through all of the concepts and all the ideas in a way that I think is, is very, uh, very useful for, for especially middle school students who don't have a lot of the background information that they might need. Uh, You know, I will say reading textbooks though, reading high school textbooks aren't a a bad thing uh, either. Uh, Just understand though, you're not supposed to understand everything right away. And, you, you know, so treat it like you're chiseling away. You're chiseling away at a large block of stone, and little by little, you will start to gain information. You'll see the same terms and phrases over and over again. Uh, you'll hear them explained in different ways, and slowly but surely, these concepts will start to make sense. Mm-hmm. You can start to connect those dots of, of physics and chemistry uh, and all the other things in between. All right, so we've covered the N for notebooks, the uh, E for everything else, the O for online resources. So that leaves us with uh, P, P for, for packets. packets. Uh, so if you have not practiced with packets before or used packets to study, uh, then uh, thank you for listening because uh, I am about to uh, absolutely blow your mind. Uh, NAQT and there are several other resources like hsquizbowl.com actually stockpile and save their old packets of questions. They don't just immediately toss them into the incinerator to, to help keep warm during the, the tough New England winters. Uh, they save those questions, and you can go back and listen to those questions and read those questions and practice with those questions. And there's probably uh, nothing better than you can do uh, 
uh, in a practice session, let's say you're a new coach or, or a, a part of a team that's trying to get better, then just play a few rounds of Quiz Bowl with those packets, those old packets, with the, your notebook open. Uh, and it's it's such a true-to-life experience, Ken, to actually going to a tournament and playing that uh, it's it's impossible to ignore. You have to play with packets. Right. And, um, you know, speaking of uh, specifically about middle school Quiz Bowl, the, the canon isn't that large. So you'll see a lot of the same clues being recycled. One of the things that we have done in the past, though, is after a tournament, you know, we have copies of the questions for all of the teams that competed, and with their teams, they'll go through it, and they'll find a, a question, and they'll see, okay, did we get this right? If we did, what was the clue before that, so we can get it faster the next time? If we got it wrong uh, or the other team got it, where did they know it? So we want to know where, where they knew it too, and what was the clue before that so that we can we can – uh, beat them to it the next time. So open is uh, a, a pretty useful, versatile Swiss Army knife of, of practicing uh, online packets, everything else, and notebooks. Um, beyond open, there's a couple of, of kind of logistical things that you can do to help kids to study, which are um, we study we study with children uh, and, and our students before and after school. Ken, we get kids into that habit. We're, we're always practicing yeah. nine times a week. Mm-hmm. Um. We work with other clubs, so if you have other uh, middle school teams in your area, uh, you can practice against them. You can have something like a joint practice. Uh, we did something very cool last year where we were able to practice with another team through uh, uh, Google Hangouts. Yeah, we, we played so, Barrington Station, and we played Longfellow, and it was also kind of nice when we saw them at, at MSNCT. You know, we felt like we knew them, and we had a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. We knew what their, their strong points were, so we could take advantage. Right? Although Longfellow beat us. Yes, they did. So maybe our, our strategy worked against us. Um, we also have students work together with their content areas, so those, those students who... Uh, all want to study science, end up in, in study sessions together and share their notes uh, and share their most valuable scientific revelations with each other. Um, we also have students uh, who, on, on rare occasion that students are particularly motivated, they might write a question, Ken. Yeah, so I've, I've tried this. Uh, we're not great at it yet, um, but you know, we'll, we'll say to a kid, okay, if this is your subject area, if this is your area of specialties, uh, I'm going to give you the answer to a question. And I want you to write the question and you're allowed to put in, you know, if it's like three clues in the question, you're allowed to put in two clues that, you know, but you need to go find something else that you didn't know. That would be, you know, the first clue in the question. So they're actually, they're, they're actually looking for stuff that they don't know. Mm -hmm. I also have students share buzz phrases like, uh, what's the thing from your notes that you thought was the most important, um, that, Maybe you know that's a buzz phrase um, for the certain territory of this part of the world, uh, but if if you know that's almost a one to one connection, share that with uh, with everyone else who has their notebooks open. They so, should. so Andrew, you mentioned buzz phrase. I think it's time for this episode's buzz phrase. The guys at for ten points want to help you answer for fifteen points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. Today's buzz phrase is from uh, Scope MS 2018, Round 5's Toss-Up 17. Take it away, Ken. Euclid generated a new one of these numbers by multiplying all known examples together and adding one, thereby proving that there are infinitely many of this type of number. The Siva Veristothenes generates a list of these numbers by crossing out multiples of them. So the question mentions the Siva Veristothenes. For those of you that tremble in fear when you hear pencil and paper ready, Andrew. My hand is raised. Uh, the sieve of Aristophanes is buzz phrase enough for you to answer prime numbers. But this one today goes out to all of you that always have your pencil and paper ready and aren't afraid to dig deep on a math question. Most questions about Euclid in the middle school canon are asking about his famous treatise on geometry, the 13 books that make up his The Elements. So when you hear Euclid come up in a question, think of these three P's. Parallels, primes, and perfect numbers. Hold on a second. I'm I'm writing these down in my notebook right now. Parallels, primes, perfect numbers. Euclid's most controversial statement in the elements is his fifth postulate, also known as his parallel postulate. 
but this question begins by mentioning Euclid and numbers. So any ideas about geometry can be filed away. Two of the 13 books were about the other passion of Greek mathematicians, the theory of numbers. Book seven deals with primes, divisibility, and his famous algorithm for finding the greatest common factors in what is dubbed the fundamental theorem of arithmetic, the idea that a positive integer's prime factorization is unique. Book nine deals with perfect numbers, which is a number that is equal to the sum of its proper factors, and the aforementioned demonstration of the infinitude of primes. So if they mention Euclid in numbers, how can you tell if they want perfect or prime? Well, Euclid developed a way to generate perfect numbers. The formula involves using numbers now known as Mersenne primes. So a question that is looking for perfect numbers might mention Mersenne primes, or something called the Euclid-Euler theorem. The key distinction here is the phrase infinitely many. As of 2019, we don't know if there are infinitely many Mersenne primes, and thus if there are infinitely many perfect numbers. In fact, the Greeks only knew the first four. Contrastingly, Euclid was able to show that there are um, infinitely many uh, prime numbers. Here's a rough explanation of Euclid's proof of the infinitude of primes. It was built on the fundamental theorem of arithmetic. Each number has a unique prime factorization. So suppose, suppose the primes are finite, and let's say that n is the last and largest prime number. Now, multiply every integer between 1 and n, n factorial, and add 1 to that incredibly gigantic number. Since we added 1, we can clearly say that no number from 1 to n can be a factor of our new gigantic number. Thus, we have one of two possibilities. Either the new gigantic number is prime, or it has a prime factor that was larger than n. In either case, we get a conclusion that contradicts our original assumption. So our assumption that such a number exists, the largest prime, must not be true, and thus there are infinitely many. Now listen to the first part of the question again. Euclid generated a new one of these numbers by multiplying all known examples together and adding one. I bet you can see that this is an allusion to his proof. So the next time you hear a question about Euclid, think of the three Ps, and if they mention an infinite amount, take a chance, buzz in, and say primes. I think that was a prime buzz phrase, Ken. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, Euclid himself would be proud. He'd write a 14th book of the elements just to include that Just on puns. There. Thanks, Ken. So for uh, our next podcast is actually going to be uh, recorded at MSNCT. That's the plan, and uh, so we uh, we here at Middlesex uh, have two teams going, and we are really looking forward to getting back and playing against some of the better teams. Um, so I just have, you know, if you qualify to go, you obviously are a serious program, and congratulations, um, and we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, but uh, I just, just have a quick list of five teams that just be on the lookout for because they – they are going to be scary good. When if you, you go there. if you see these teams on the other side of, of your bracket or uh, sitting across from you, uh, be, be ready. Be on your game, right? Yep. So so the first one is uh, Challenger Almadine from uh, from San Jose, and that's Aaron Parse's team. Uh, they finished in the I think twenty first um, last year or thirteenth or twenty first, so one of the two. And uh, so it was led by Aaron last year as a fifth grader. He's back as a sixth grader, and he's that much smarter. So uh, so watch out for him. The next team we're, we're uh, highlighting is Quest from Illinois. Right. That's Rowan Ganesh's team. Um, and, you know, they play in a really, really competitive state. And that's that is always something to look at. So don't just look at statistics. Don't just look at uh, their, their points per game. Look at who they play on a regular basis. And Quest plays in Illinois. So they play. They're, sw they're swimming with sharks. Yeah, they play Barrington Station. They play Keith Country Day. They, you know, they play Aptekissick, and they beat them all. Mm -hmm. Our next team is Hunter from New York City. Uh, Hunter has always given Middlesex fits. Um, we were able to to beat them a couple times last year, but this year in our Charter Oak tournaments, uh, 
Hunter beat us pretty good, and then we saw them again in New Jersey, and they just were in a in a different league there. So um, they're they're well coached. They obviously fit into one of the better programs in at the high school circuit. So um, they they are always always tough. I think they surprised a lot of people last year. They finished eighth last year. Uh, I don't think people were were expecting that, but. If you if you know them because you play against them as often as we do, it didn't surprise me at all. Try not to end up the prey against right, Hunter. Exactly. Uh, Churchill from so, Carmichael, California. Yeah, uh, California. The Southern California is another area where there are just so many good teams like Challenger Almadine, like uh, Stratford Sunnyvale's uh, Challenger Barriessa, um, and Churchill is a really deep program. That's another thing that is a mark of a of a really top team. They'll have tournaments and they'll send, you know. 10 plus teams to it so you know that their coaches are are picking the best from a large group and when there are a large group of kids in a program people those kids see that there's competition and if if they don't get better there are people there to take their place and so they push each other i know that is one of the big advantages we have here at middlesex um we just had a tournament with 16 teams and 10 of them were from middlesex we've had l teams at tournaments before as well uh, and so the, the when there's a lot of uh a large talent pool you know the cream that rises really does um does stand out, and Churchill's one of them. Mm. And, and last but not least, Ken uh, I, I Longfellow mean, I mean, from look, Falls Lo- Church, Virginia. Longfellow is is our rival. They're our friends and our rival. Uh, it is uh, arguably uh, top two or three programs in the country. They are well coached, um, and it would not surprise me if on Sunday it'll be Middlesex versus Longfellow in an elimination game, as it has been for the past six years. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, Again, don't don't just go by statistics you see online that those kids are so well coached and so well trained. They are not uh, phased by anything. There's no deficit too big that they can't overcome. Uh, you can't ice them with a timeout. So they they are just ready for anything and everything. Um, they're they're professionals. That's what they are. They are they are a professional <laughs> quiz bowl team. Um, and uh, so there's nothing you can do that is going to intimidate them in any way, shape, or form because they are ready. Um, so. Uh, I, I'm in the middle of uh, preparing our program for nationals and looking at each of the teams and what their accomplishments were and, and players to watch and uh, programs to watch. And these five have definitely jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything quizable related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, hopefully we have helped you to get better. I'm Andrew Turiago signing off for Ken Romeo, and we will see you all next time.